1: Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back for another episode. Uh, it's been a couple weeks actually since uh, we had a, a half mailbag, half emergency pod last week. This time answering your questions here on the podcast for a good 45 to, to an hour straight. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online and Twitter. Uh, with me as always is the managing editor of pride of detroit the machine who is about to kick into overdrive here as we are a week from the (laughs) nfl draft uh eric slid is here at eric slid on twitter eric how are you doing buddy
2: yeah yeah yeah, i'm in overdrive that's for sure (laughs) there's a lot going on uh behind the scenes on the site personal life nfl draft it's just going it's just go 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 eight days of uh of uh, patiently waiting, and then three days of super excitement, followed by seven days of us trying to catch our breath, and uh, then well, then we'll see where everything's at. Yeah, then, <laughs> so... then Maybe
1: we can catch our breath, but that feels, <laughs> that feels months in advance, even if it is literally like two or three yeah. weeks, but uh, yeah, definitely starting to kick into overdrive here, uh, but we are going to try to uh, do that and, and get through as many questions as uh, we possibly can this episode. There's obviously a lot of intrigue with the Lions right now. And uh, let's start with a, a little bit of extra intrigue that, that I kind of threw uh, to Lions Twitter this morning. Uh, news that Trey Lance, or that, that the 49ers have received a bunch of calls for Trey Lance uh, with the caveat via Ian Rappaport that they are not the ones asking, uh, they are just receiving calls. So we're not sure if he's actually on the trade block or there's just a lot of interest. That leads into our first question. From uh, Detroit and in Toledo, Ryan, our good friend Ryan on Twitter, asked, how much would a trade for Trey Lance cost theoretically? Uh, he says, for a second-day pick, it feels like it would be a no-brainer to gamble on a high-upside quarterback prospect with little guarantees remaining.
2: Well, I think it, it's a day-two pick at least, right? Um, ironically, as you were ciphering through the, the Rappaport news, I was, uh, I had, I got a few private messages about that same situation. Um, And that's kind of the feeling I got from that as well. Um, It seems like a day two pick seems like a logical uh, starting point and um, you know, maybe you have to tie in a little bit more uh, down the road or, you know, there's a variety of things that can happen, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a logical, a logical starting point to talk about a second or third round pick and then um the Lions end up getting, well, at worst, a backup and uh it probably an upgrade at backup. yeah and uh and in in the best case scenario, they end up getting a potential starting quarterback of the future. So I think it's an interesting uh it's it's an interesting scenario. It's probably one that Brad Holmes has, you know, picked up the phone about because if we know anything about Brad Holmes, it's that he is, all about making phone calls this time of year and, and, and getting ascertaining where he needs to be. So um, yeah, I, I I believe it. I think you did a nice job laying out the the pluses and minuses of it. And I tend to uh, agree that this is a guy who was considered a top level quarterback uh, just a couple years ago. And um, this gives you kind of the best of both worlds. If you were to go after him, you get a a higher upside guy than you would get on day two uh, of this year's draft. And uh, while you sacrifice a little bit in the, on the rookie deal side of the coin, it's um, it's a player that, you know, reading the tea leaves, it sure seems like Brad Holmes was interested in previously. And so maybe he's interested in getting a value on him uh, two years later at a, at a discounted price.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that my favorite thing about potentially doing something like that is it feels like it's kind of a, a, it's a meeting of the halfway point between the people that are like, just ride it out with golf. And the people that say like, Were we, I am unwilling to pay golf in two years. Yes. It's it's meeting in the middle because it's it, like you said, it. at worst, this is improving your backup situation. And yes, spending a second round pick to improve your backup quarterback situation. Not maybe not the best of moves, you know, but that's that's the floor that's the floor of what this is that the ceiling is much, much higher. And so maybe you only get one of those things. Maybe you only get the backup. Maybe you only get, maybe, maybe you do get the the quarterback of the future. Maybe it's somewhere in between, but to me, it's, it seems likely worth the risk of a guy that, like you said, was, was one thought of to be a very, very high talent in this league. Uh, And, and, you could you could say that the, the 49ers have lost faith in them. Maybe that is true. Maybe it isn't. Um, but we haven't really seen Trey Lance. We haven't really seen what he's capable yeah. of. Um, and and I think that might be worth rolling the die. Now I'm I'm with you. It's probably gonna cost a day two pick. I'd certainly like it to be a, a third rounder rather than one of those second rounders. But sure, as as I pointed out in the article, like this team has missed on a second rounder and a third round pick, and it has not harmed their ability to grow and and build yeah. with a lot of talent. They have two second round picks. They have a third round pick. They they will be just fine if they swing and miss on on this. And I think the the positives, the 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 ceiling of a move like this is worth that risk.
2: Look, if you take the Hawkinson pick, it's like trading Hawkinson for Lance and I'm sure two years ago, and plus you also get a third rounder next year. But um but um you know, two years ago, people would have jumped at that. Right? right. But now, now that he's been injured, people have soured on him. And they're, and, and, and I don't know, it's, I think we all need to take a breath and like remember that this is a young kid with potential. And um, teams gamble on that. Right. Teams are willing to gamble on that. Especially at the quarterback and, position. Yeah. Especially at the quarterback position. And so, like, you can't say, you know, I look, I I just I have seen so many mixed emotions on this, and and that I think comes with everything. It's probably the same level of mixed emotions if you say Hendon Hooker in the second, or if yeah. you say trade up for Anthony Richard. You know, I mean I'm sure it's the same amount, it just seems like uh there's a lot of mixed emotions coming out of the woodwork with uh, the suggestion. And I think it's a realistic suggestion that costs a lower pick or cost would cost a lower pick slot, and uh like you said, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fits you in both categories. It gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, taking a a shot on a potential young guy, but it also isn't fully committing to him and gives you that avenue. Like you said, for golf Uh, at the same time, while that kind of pleases a little fans from both worlds, it probably also makes uh, fans upset (laughs) upset as well. Right. So, uh, yeah.
1: Um, Anyways, it's an interesting conversation to have. I don't, I don't really understand why the 49ers would, would move on from him, to be completely honest. Maybe yeah. maybe they don't have any intentions to do so. Um, but, yeah, with their with Brock Purdy's injury, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense for them to even really, I don't know, have these conversations. But the fact that they've taken multiple phone calls means that someone has tipped these teams off. In my opinion, it means someone's tipped these teams off, too. They're at least picking up the phone.
2: Yeah. Well, so. and look, it, it, this is a team that drafted Lance and kept Garoppolo. Like they're not going to worry. They're not going to shy away at keeping two quarterbacks. So yeah. like those of you who are saying, Oh, I wouldn't give up anything more than like a fourth or a fifth or a sixth or seventh round or four. Look, the, the 49ers aren't going to take that. Yeah. Like if you actually want him, you're going to have to pay because they're not going to, they're, they're not the ones saying he's on the block. They're the ones saying we're willing to wait. So yeah. um, I, you know, I, the team that interests me the most, in this scenario, outside of the Lions, which I think makes a ton of sense, um, is is the Texans, especially if they are souring on taking a quarterback at two, uh, which is, you know, that speculation. And, and if they are, boy, it makes sense. And then you look at the fact that D'Amico Ryans was San Francisco's True. defensive coordinator. Yeah. Now the head, I mean, it just, you can connect the dots there.
1: I, I I think uh, Pro Football Talk also threw out the Vikings name, which would be interesting. It seems like they've been sure. sniffing around the quarterback market a little bit here as well sure. with Kirk Cousins on the last year of his deal. But let's move on from the quarterback talk. Sorry, everybody. We did it again. <laughs> um,
2: uh,
1: Nick the Greek, uh, our, our good Twitch friend and Twitter friend, uh, says, Are you guys at least a little bit worried that Aaron Glenn's defense requires, quote unquote, his guy's Seems like that's starting to emerge as a theme excuse. I do understand the defense had almost no investment until last year, and he deserves his chance, but we've seen the my guys thing before. Um, and so what he's getting at here, um, I, I think a lot of people are maybe pointing to Amani Rowari and Jeff Okuda, young cornerbacks. Aaron Glenn is supposed to be this young corner guru, and those two guys didn't develop as planned. So is, do you have any concern that that maybe Aaron Glenn isn't, maybe the, the cornerback guru and needs guys that are very specific to what he likes.
2: I don't, I, I, this is like, this is a NFL thing, right? Like they all want specific guys to kind of fit into their scheme. And, yeah. and I haven't really heard this rumor or this this, my guys like theory um, that he needs his guys. Like I, I, maybe it's, maybe the whispers are out there. I haven't really caught wind of them. Um, but like, the thing is, is, they gave Jeff a chance, right? Yeah. Like, and if, yeah. and if Jeff, and with Amani, watch Amani. It's not like, it's not like the decisions that Amani was was making were were something that was like he was making those decisions because he was making those decisions, and it wasn't like he was making a one wrong decision. It was multiple wrong decisions over and over and over and you saw other players like jerry jacobs and and mike hughes they changed the system they changed the scheme and those guys adapted and he Amani just didn't yeah like and so i don't i don't know why that he just he just blew up there it, yeah. it made no sense but like he was making countless mistakes that other guys weren't making and and he he did not adapt to the the shift and so I guess that leads into my next counteraction against the my guys thing is, Aaron Glenn has adjusted his defense multiple times right. to the guys that are in front of him. Yeah, not necessarily saying I'm going to stick, you know, here. Now he'll stick to a game plan more than he probably should, but like I think he's been willing to adapt his scheme to these players more right. than trying to like force it. Yeah. Um. I actually like the fact that he is not just. Gifting guys positions, right? Like uh, Amadi made clear mistakes. Look, I- ignoring the lining up three yards offsides, <laughs> ignoring that, like which still baffles me. Yeah, he also like he was not taking right angles. And like a couple of games after they made the switch, I knew it. I was calling it out, saying, "Look, he needs to be here." And if I know he needs to be here, why doesn't he need? He know he needs to be there. <laughs> And so, I don't know why the Imani thing baffles me still. But he—he was—he just. I think sometimes the fits don't just don't work. But yeah, I'm not. I'm no. I don't. know. I think every team wants their guys.
1: Yeah, well, um, well, of
2: course that's true. Um,
1: I, I. But I maybe not the my guys thing here, his guys thing. Um, but I think I. I do wonder if there's maybe a growing concern either either just externally with Lions fans or internally with the, with the lines himself that Aaron Glenn might not be this corner whisper that, that he was billed as I'm not there at all. Cause I think, I think Jerry Jacobs is a very good counter example to all of that. <laughs> right. um, and yeah, and I, I was even asked, I, I did some, some Falcon stuff once they got Jeff Okuden. and they were, they straight up asked me like, do you think this is maybe a, you know, it just wasn't a scheme fit once they changed coaches. And, and my answer was no, that you can't use that as an excuse. Because like you said, Aaron Glenn is, is a guy who will take the guys that he has, find their strengths, and try to utilize that. And, and we've seen him do it with other um with other guys. And they, they did it with Jeff Okuda, right? With that Dallas game that points out, the, and he did play in the slot a lot after that as well. So I it's disappointing what happened with, with Jeff Okuda and Amani Aruarie. It it yeah. is funny how the narrative completely flipped because last year we were we were saying. Look at Jerry yeah. Jacobs. Look at Amani Oruwariye. Wow, Aaron Glenn is this is the dude, right? Yeah. And then Amani falls off. Um, and and like you said, I it, it's hard to explain exactly how that happened. Um, and 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 then obviously you you also have to throw Aubrey Pleasant into this conversation, right? At, at least a little bit. And, and how much did that affect the development of these guys? And I'm not trying to throw the guy under the bus. I think he's a good coach. Uh, Dan Campbell thinks he's a good coach. It just, whatever they were trying to teach these guys was not being communicated properly. And things got better after that. And so, it, it's hard to put it all on Aaron Glenn. I still think Aaron Glenn has plenty to prove. But this is the year he has to do it right now. Now there are very few excuses for Aaron Glenn for the secondary to be good. I mean, maybe you could argue that a lot of these guys haven't played together yet, so it'll take a while to get that chemistry in the secondary. But they they have a better defensive front. They have a better secondary. This should be a a decent defense this year, especially a a decent secondary. And if that doesn't happen, then I think we can start, you know, really starting to needle Aaron Glenn a little bit. But I still think it's, it's premature here. All right. Next question here. Line started OTAs or not OTAs this week, technically, but off season workouts Uh, and, and minor news here. Uh, Levi owns is in the building um, via some, some photos. We saw him chatting up, chatting it up with some teammates, walking into the building. What we didn't see though, Eric is him actually working out. He wasn't lifting. We didn't see him lifting weights. We didn't see him running, um, which is basically all you can do at this moment. So, How encouraged are you by the news just that he's there? His presence is there. He's chopping it up with his teammates.
2: I assume he's been there, right? Like, because that's, that's what happened last season, the last off season, when he was working through stuff, like he stayed in Detroit and rehabbed with the, with the team. So, um, it wouldn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, it's, it's nice to see it's, uh, it's. You know because you don't get to see that w- when he's on IR, he can't practice, right? Like right. so, um, it's nice to see him back again. I think you set that up uh with the qualifiers well that we just don't know where he's yeah. at. Um but I try not to read too much into the pictures because uh it's like social media, you know, yeah. you, you you can speculate yourself into a, a lot of trouble. So uh nice to see. That's the end. That's the end of my segment.
1: (laughs) It it really isn't any news in particular. I mean, it's like you said, it's nice to see him out there. I I guess it's encouraging that he's working out like he he hasn't given up on his career, which I don't think anyone really was speculating. I think fans may have given up on his career, which is understandable. Um, But yeah, like I think Brad and Dan both made references to him working out in Detroit. So, yeah, he was there. Um, I, I tried to I tried to ask Aleem uh, yesterday, if I <laughs> try to needle in there a little bit, be like, Hey, was it nice working out with, with Levi? And he's like, Oh, it's, it's always good to have him around. And so he didn't really give me anything there in terms of extra information about what, um, what he's doing, what expectations are for him. But, um, it's yeah, I, I think it's mostly an, a non news item, but maybe, maybe a slight spin to optimism because he's in there. He, he clearly believes he can get better. And so that's, that's good. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Uh, Josh on Twitter, uh, JLG123, yeah, asks The Lions emphasize maintaining their core of their guys who have endured hardship and bounce back of previous seasons. This is actually a pretty common theme with a a couple of players saying, like, that might, what they've gone through in these past two years might make them a more mentally strong team and make sure that they don't kind of come into this season with a lot of expectations
2: already. They know they have to put in the work. Anyways, to get back to Decker, that's, a, that's a, that Decker very much has adapted that mentality. Yes. And he's had he's had that. That's not new. Sure. He's yes. he's had that. But I'm on
1: spoke of it, which is yeah, good well, to hear from a, a young player.
2: I'm feeds off everything. True. Like that, he's <laughs> he's one. he's a monster.
1: But anyways, uh, <laughs> to the question he asked, how much <laughs> room does that leave on the roster for newly drafted players? I wouldn't be surprised if they only made four or five selections. Live, lines of nine now after the Okuda trade. Um, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before. They don't have a ton of space on the roster in general. Well, they're at 70 something. I don't know, oh, 73. well, don't even get with
2: Savion back up there at 77, I think
1: 77. Um, so that leaves them 13 technically. And and then obviously you have your oh, 79, uh, 79 with the nine draft picks. Sorry. 70. Oh, you're including the nine draft picks. Including the nine draft yes. picks. So they're at yeah, 70, oh, yes. 79 sorry. with the draft picks. Um, so anyways, um, do you, do you buy into that like maybe maybe the lions aren't aren't necessarily going to add all these players because one they think they already have a pretty good core foundation two i mean maybe maybe they package some of these late days th- or mid to late day 3 guys and and jump back into the day 2 conversation
2: well that that that's been Ryan's standpoint right, right. like he doesn't yep. think they're going to use other picks and yep. and and if you look at Ho- Brad Holmes' history he uses picks to trade up to go get his guys yeah. and so um yeah, it would make sense that they don't end up with nine, and it would make sense that they don't pick at a lot of the spots that they're slotted to pick now. Uh, at the same time, I still do think that there's room, right? Like, you can, you can add these guys to fill depth roles. Like, there's a handful of special teams roles that aren't unclaimed. And, and those, sure they can – all four of the guys on – that go, uh, all four of their picks on day three – could be special teams guys. And so you can find spots, you can challenge, you can get upgrade. Look if you end up with like seven NFL receivers and you only have six spots, that's fine. That's a, that's a good problem, right? right. Like it's okay. It's okay to have a team that's talented enough that you lose a player that another team picks up. That's, that's nice. It's nice to have. So um, I think if they view these players as potential roster spot challengers, then they'll go get them. And if they if it's nine, that's great. More competition, the better. But I also think they probably won't end up with nine because like we just talked about, that's not in Brad, not it's not Brad Holmes's MO.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean I I've always been of of your kind of target this offseason to maybe accumulate picks in the future. Um yeah. make it so that you're always kind of in this position of embarrassment of riches going into the draft that allows you to either move around or just add a bunch of really, really good players. I'm not that interested in trading back and getting more picks in this draft, to be completely honest. I think they're in a good position there, both with their roster and with the amount of, you know, top, you know, five picks in the top 81 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I certainly see that. I, I mean, four or five seems radical. I don't think they're going to only make four or five picks in this draft. That seems too, too much of a trade up or or whatever you you've done with those picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I could I could certainly see it like seven. I could I could see six, maybe even. Um mm-hmm. because yeah, Brad Brad as much as I don't like it, and I know you do like it, uh he likes to trade up. He likes to go and get yeah. his guys, and so there's I mean, there's that big spot between three and round three and round five that they don't have a pick, right? But they yeah. have two fives now. Could they the, pick those two and get to the fourth? Absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't doubt it for a second.
2: They've done it, they did it for Derek Marnes. Right, right, right. All right. Well, they dug up um,
1: the, the future years, right? Like they traded twenty a future fifth. They did a,
2: a fourth and then a fifth that year, yeah, and or something like that. Um, but here's uh, look, Brad Holmes is uh, he's going to he's going to go get his guys. I had a point and I totally lost it there. That's why I kind of I spaced Sorry. for one <laughs> second. Um,
1: I can I can add on a question that's kind of related. If you want, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So while we're we're talking about trading up, uh between the numbers asks, um, Holmes has shown a target and acquire approach. Would you be yeah. okay coming out of day one? Uh and he says with Devon Witherspoon, Lucas Van Ness, and Bijan Robinson, or some combination of trades, but you no longer have any second round picks. So, you trade I mean, 48 and that's, 55 that's what, to get back into
2: the That's what it first. would cost. Yeah. I mean, it might, that if you're going to try and package picks in this year, that might be what it costs, right? Yeah. Um, Ignoring the players, just thinking, like, sure. would I want three first rounders? I guess it depends on where you get them. Yeah. And, like, it, I would say yes, because I think if you're trading up in. T- to the third it's because you're identifying a player that you believe is a high uh level player right yeah. and it's someone that you believe is going to be able to contribute early and so i would be okay with that i would be okay with losing um those those two and I, here i'm going to tie it back into what I, what i i just remembered you go into the draft every year with the with the concept in mind of trying to acquire three starters, three reserves and three special teamers. Now, that includes UDFAs of course and right? So you, yep. but the idea is is that if you can get nine players out of every draft class that can three in each of those groups, then that's a successful draft. So if you're thinking okay, I these are my three starters, And that i can get great if you think you can get a starter like later then that's okay too like but I you the mentality is is you you sometimes want to keep those later round picks you don't necessarily just want to shed them because you want to be able to get these special teams contributors that can play all these gritty roles and and so i'm fine with moving up i'm not trying to ricky williams this thing where you trade (laughs) your whole draft class for for one dude right but um you know, I, I i i i think there's just so many ways that they can go. I don't think there's yeah. really a lot of wrong answers here.
1: Yeah, i i will say I, I do think like the whole like fifth year option thing is a little bit overstated and overrated, um, especially because of the cost, right? Right, it, it's starting to go there. up, right? Like, and yeah. if you hit if you hit on that on that player and he makes two Pro Bowls in his first three years, you're not getting a deal on that fifth year option. Is it an expensive fifth year option? Right. Um So I, I think. I think the if, if that's your rationale to trade both of your seconds to get into the first is so you can have that fifth year option, you're overthinking this. Uh it has to be the right player. And you know, I'm not I'm not the kind of person that has you know that goes into the draft and be like, all right, well, I only have 20 first round grades on, on this year's class. So <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you if the end of the first round is going to have a value enough to trade back up into it. But if your guy's there, yeah. I, I'm starting to have enough trust in Brad Holmes to say if he has if he has you know high resolve in this guy then then sure go ahead and do it I'm 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 just in general very resistant to the idea of trading up um when you have as many valuable assets as it is and listen I was semi against it last year when they did it for for Jameson, and we'll see how that one plays out but um I th- I think I think we're gonna look back on that trade and and, and see how much we should re- we should really trust Brad Holmes with a decision like that because uh, that at this point it could go either way with that one we'll see. Anyways, uh, enough. <laughs> I don't want to stoke the the flames of, oh, my God, Jameson Williams is horrible, which I don't I don't know where that's coming from. But uh, let's wait. Take is a break. that a thing, too? I I, am, am I? Am, I, I hope not. Well, you know, you know, know the Jameson Williams complaints now, right? Like, yeah, but know,
2: that's about his maturity level, right. though, isn't it? Right. right. That's not about well, his performance. Yeah, people, people are going to forget all about things as soon as Once he catches a like 100 oh,
1: yeah. percent. Anyways, we don't need to get into that. I, I feel like. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit a break here. We're gonna flush that thought from our minds. And when we come back, we're gonna talk more Lions questions, more Lions draft, all sorts of topics as we come back here on the midweek mailbag. We'll be right back.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag, answering your questions here live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, typically every Tuesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday, uh, around 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh let's jump right back into the questions. We we talked a little bit about moving around trading in the draft, and that's where we'll start here. Uh Ryan souza on Twitter asks, would you rather trade up for Willie Anderson and stay at 18 or trade up for Witherspoon from 18 or Gonzalez and stay at six?
2: Uh it's a good question. I guess it would depend on who's there at six, right? right. Like if it was if they got Jalen Carter at six and then you're telling me you can trade up and get a, uh, a Gonzalez or, or Witherspoon, then I'm all about that.
1: That's that's an A plus draft right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, you walk out of day one on cloud nine. and um, But if you're telling me it's like Tyree Wilson and then you're trading up, uh, I'm less in love with that yeah. than I would be for trading up for Willie Anderson. Because I think if you can end up with like a Will anderson jalen carter and then a corner i think you know even if that corner is banks at 18 you know what i mean like i think that's a much better uh, a much more ideal scenario maybe it's not as realistic maybe the realistic scenario is it's witherspoon and banks or uh, wilson and banks and then right. we need to get comfortable with that uh but at the same time if i had my uh, my choice i would rather have one of those elite two defenders at the top and then pick take my uh my corner
1: i think i'm the opposite it's it's close and the only reason i'm the opposite is because it's going to cost you more to trade up from some six to three than from 18 to 12 or whatever whatever mm-hmm. you're talking about to get one of those top corners um <clears throat> i will say though it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation to have like would you rather have the top edge and then maybe a let, let's say you don't trade up at all like or no, no, sorry, you, you do trade. So like you get that top edge prospect, but you get the second tier level of of corners, whether it is Deontay Banks, Joey Porter, whoever you think is is, is maybe worth that. Or would you rather get the top corner and then the second tier edge? So let's say you get your, your Witherspoon or you'd get your Gonzalez, but then mm-hmm. you get a, I don't know, Lucas Van Ness or something, or
2: Miles Murphy at 18. Yeah, I mean that's it that's that's the. It's it's a hard question yeah. because, in my mind, you want to take the higher you draft an edge player, the more likely he is uh, to succeed. Sure. And so, I'm almost always of the mindset that when you when pre, if you're taking an edge rusher, the earlier you take them, the better the chances. And so, that's true of every position. <laughs> to, no, to not necessarily. I
0: mean
2: what about running back still? I mean, it, it's still <laughs> true. That just, you need to, push not, that not, not always, down. not always. You, you are constantly reminding us that the chiefs took, uh, Edwards Hilaire in the first round and then Pacheco in the seventh and Pacheco sure. was the better, uh, right. So like, yeah, but, but,
1: I, there, so, there, it is true that edge has a higher hit rate early.
2: Yeah. And it's like, it's like way more, bigger than at edge. Positions. Than other positions. Correct. Right. And yes. right. So um, I, I would, I would tend to lean towards the edge and then the corner. Cause I think corners are a little deeper. Oh yeah. Um, I'd agree with that. And in, in that, in that first round anyway.
1: anyway. Um. All right. Next question. I've uh, had a lot of questions about the offensive line and uh, I think that conversation died down a little bit after uh, the local beat guys uh were all in on the Skaronski at six train and that seems to have mellowed out. Um, but Eric Emmons on Twitter asks, How likely is it that the Lions draft an offensive tackle slash guard at 18? Seems like something fans would be surprised with, but would make some sense for a team that wants to keep a strength a strength. Um, I, I already know the answer to this <laughs> from you because you have been just knocking down every door that you can about Darnell Wright beating there at the at 18. Um, yeah. I, I have to imagine that hasn't changed.
2: No, no, it has not changed at all. If, if anything has changed is, I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah. I've gone from saying everyone is way too low on Darnell, right? You, if he's there at 18, I'm taking him yeah. to now saying, uh Oh, he might not be there at 18. Um, it's I, <sighs> go good. I, I, what about
1: just a guard? Because mm-hmm. they're meeting. No, with I don't think Irish guards.
2: I, I I don't think Torrance or Vila. Are there if Skoranski's there at 18 yeah I I think it's you don't think you don't think
1: Torrance Torrance or Avila will even make it to 18 or you think it's too early to get them
2: I think it's too early for Torrance yeah for Torrance and uh and Avila if Skoranski was there at 18 okay if he is the pick at six I'm actually coming around to it a little bit more than I was when it was initially put out there. Um, I still I still think six direction. is a little, or I, I still think six is early. Okay. Don't I get just, me wrong. But I do think the idea of getting a offensive lineman in, in that if let's say they trade back from six and they pick him at 11, Scronsky at 11, or if they, if they, if Skronsky slides and he's there at 18, yeah. Right. I think Skaronski and Wright are the best two offensive linemen in this draft. And if either of them are there at 18, that's a huge win in my book.
1: I guess to me, I'm just and maybe maybe I need to educate myself on this a little bit more, because the idea of starting a guy at guard with the intention of him eventually replacing one of your tackles. I don't recall that ever happening, and maybe it has. Maybe maybe it happens a lot. Um, and I'm just not aware of it. But that seems like a great theory, but much tougher in practice.
2: If Here's you're... the deal. I, I, I don't even need them to start a tackle in two years. They can be guard for the next de- half decade. And I'd but, be fine with that okay. because 18 is a fine spot to get a guard if that guard is worth it. Okay. Frank right? You Look at That's Frank. Center. That's right That's into center. Frank. Okay. There's different. No, but like, look at, Okay. Elgin Jenkins, I don't even, I'm going to look up where Elgin Jenkins got drafted, but Elgin is a great example with the Packers.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, He is a guy who has come in, he's played multiple spots for them. Yeah. He's played tackle, he's played center. Uh, they took well. They took him in the second, so that ruins yes. my my theory. Ooh. But um, but my my idea here, I guess, is. And, but he's he's the yeah. guy that I think of when I think about drafting okay. a guy like Wright or Skaronski. Sure. Is that yeah. you're going to get a guy who has some movement skills where if you get a injury, you have some positional flexibility with an interior guy to move them around. Right now, the only positional flexibility they have is Sewell can play both left and right. And Jonah can play all three interior spots. Graham can play all three interior spots. Vitae can play guard, maybe maybe t- right tackle, right? But, like, so there's a, they have a little bit of flexibility. The, a Skaranski or a right, I think, gives them a lot more flexibility. Skaranski even more because I think Skaranski can play all five, which is kind of ludicrous. Um, but I think both those players on my board and what they could do for the Lions – top 18 players. Those are my top two. And I know people are going to say like, you know, Paris Johnson and, um, and, uh, Jones, like those, those look, they're great. I I think those are, those are good players. And I think teams are going to draft them in that range as well. I just, I just like Skronsky and right better than I do any other offensive lineman. Okay,
1: That's fair. I'll, you know, I'll let you have that one. It's, it's, it's an interesting question. And it's, and I can see the excitement of just like getting an offensive line. You don't have to, you don't have to throw a label on him. He can fill whatever position you need him to fill. But again, that, that feels a little bit just like it's projection. And I know that's, that's what the draft is. It's all projection. We don't know that Darnell Wright can be a lockdown guard. He, he did start two in his freshman year, but it's been tackled since then. We don't know if Skaronski is going to be good when, if and when he kicks in guard. We don't know if those guys can play left or right. Like, I understand the, the value in guys like that 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 you think can play all of those positions, but you have to, it you have you have to have more proof of concept. And and there are players that that are capable of doing that, but they're they're, they're rarer than you think. I think. Um. All right, next question. Um, we're going wide receiver now. Uh, Larry M on Twitter asks, "Have seen zero mention of At Perry to the Lions? Seems like the perfect chart oh. replacement." We have mentioned him here because mm-hmm. uh because there are so few like clear X receivers yeah. in this draft. AT Perry is one of them. He's and, and Larry makes the argument here. Seems like a perfect chalk replacement. Wouldn't the Lions prefer a 6'4, 200 pounds wide receiver with insane body control and hands, or some of the smaller, lighter 180-pound guys? Um, he is what everyone thought Quentin Johnson was. Um uh so Quentin Johnson. Um, so yeah, would tell tell. Tell us your thoughts on At Perry. Aside from him being an X receiver, why is he, you know, a mid round grade for from multiple player?
2: Yeah. Uh, I still think Johnson is the better X. Um, I think he has more long term upside. I think he can be an Alshon Jeffrey type of player, right? I think that's, what that's also, but I also don't think he's he should be picked at eighteen. Like yeah. I'm not in that mindset, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're past him. The next two guys are Cedric Tillman and At Perry for me. If you're talking straight X's. yeah. And, and I think I would probably take Tillman at like 55, and Perry, I think 81 sounds like a good range for for, for At Perry. I would pro- I would be very comfortable with that.
1: What? But but I guess. But- my concern is why? Why is he? Why is he a third round prospect? If we're talking about an elite position, we're talking about he has yeah. you know the physical skills that you want in an next receiver, and a draft class that is so bereft in that position. Why? Why isn't he rising up to to you know early day two or even maybe edge of, of, of
2: round one? Well, I mean, because I don't think you need to like. I think it. there's so many other really good smaller receivers in this class yeah that they're going to be you're going to see a lot of them picked early right and you're going to see teams prioritize them um i think at has like four four seven speed i need to probably look that up to be something like that right is that right okay um but I don't think he always like necessarily plays up to that speed. So he's kind of more like a possession guy than he is like a, like a game breaker and the game breakers go early, right? Yeah. Your possession guys tend to, to drift a little bit. And so I think he's, I think he's got like that range, but like, he's becoming less, he's, he he's not going to be wide receiver one right like a lot of the times and a lot of times that wide receiver x gets associated with like your wide receiver one yeah and i think i don't know if you i I don't know if we're just starting to trend away from that right but i don't think there's a wide receiver x that is a wide that is your like going to be your best receiver on your roster in this draft class yeah so that's going to push everybody down a little bit the top guys who could be your elite guys are all your small guys and you know maybe all of them will maybe none of them will end up being a wide receiver one for their for their team but there's a lot more of them that could be like easily be like wide receiver two and just like be like day one type contributors like i i think perry would have to like kind of work his way in um and i i don't know if i could see him like stepping into this lineup and necessarily like replacing like um a josh reynolds you know what i mean like i think he he'd be a guy that it's as a possession receiver he's a guy who's going to be like he would be wide receiver like five to start like and that's fine he might be wide receiver three a year from now um which is why i think you can spend a day three pick on a player with that kind of uh, trajectory yeah
1: crazy production though man and and production sure. isn't isn't all encompassing. It's not it's not necessarily the, the only piece of info you need to take from, but I can see why people are enamored with him, I guess is what what I'm saying here. Is he's got all the physical traits in terms of you know length, uh wingspan, speed. I think some question maybe his physicality a little bit for being that outside receiver, that ex receiver. Um, but 26 touchdowns the last two years, over a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons. I can see why people are excited about him. And I could see someone maybe reach because of those things right if you can mm-hmm. if you can teach him to be a little bit more physical in his play he's got all those other measurables that you want he is that kind of rare x receiver and that that they just don't develop in college anymore um and so may, maybe there's a team that takes a, a risk on him maybe on in round two but um i guess what you're saying um do i have another question here i'm not sure i have another question in here I'm not seeing one on my list, which wow. means I'm going to just throw one at you. Okay. We're going off the board here. <laughs> and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire since this might be our last midweek mailbag. We haven't decided before the draft. Fun. Eric. Yes. If you had to predict right now who are line's taking at 18. Not gonna guess six. I'm not even gonna put it out there. We're 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 gonna make our arguments for the picks at six in the next week on the site. Who? I'm gonna I'm gonna make it tougher on you. Who is the pick at 18?
2: If you had to guess right now, oh gosh, um, I know that I would love it to be Darnell Wright, but again, I don't think he's going to be there. Okay, um, so I would say, geez. it gets tricky after that. On it, like if you're it not doing offensive because...
1: tackle, and if you've at corner is maybe a good spot. Yeah. Well, that's like where I was leaning a little where bit. Where the value yeah. is there. But other than that, what is the value at that 18 position? Because I feel like maybe you're starting to get into skill position talk here, whether it's tight end, I know, maybe a wide receiver if if, if you're, you know, if maybe only one's off the board, maybe only Jackson Smith and Jig was off the board. Mm-hmm. This is also where a lot of people circle running back as as maybe the <laughs> potential spot where the first running back comes off the board. Maybe that second uh, – I know a lot of people don't like Kalijah Kansi here. Um, a lot of people do, um, Brazil, maybe here. I know some people are saying Mozzie Smith is working his way into the first round. Maybe 18 is a little too rich for that, but I don't know. A lot of options here. What what are you thinking?
2: It's, it's hard because like, you don't know what they're doing at six, right? Like as well. Yeah. That makes that, that leaves everything on the table. My kind of gut would be to say a guy like Brian Banks makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Uh, but at the same time, I think a guy like ne- people aren't maybe aren't talking about enough is a guy like Miles Murphy, um, the Clemson sure. defensive yeah. end. And I know yeah. a lot of people all about Van Ness, and, and I think Van Ness can maybe be in that conversation. Yeah, But I could see them still shifting towards a edge rusher or yeah. – I can't talk myself into a defensive tackle. I just, I, I, I can't, I just, I, I, I do think it's, it's possible. I just can't. The value on my board says it's an offensive lineman. The value uh, says it's an offensive lineman or a corner, but I could see them. I could, I could also see them going. Uh, I'm
1: tormenting you here. I love this. I'm holding your feet to the fire. No softballs
2: here, Eric if you if you look at if you i know you're i know you don't do a whole lot of mock drafts but like I if sure you don't. if you do mock drafts and you take a look at them and you you inevitably this seems to be one of the tougher picks because depending on which route you go at 6 it kind of limits where the value is at 18 and sure. that's i think that is why i could also see them moving off 18 because maybe things don't line up, the value just isn't quite where they might want it. So, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I don't think it's going to be an offensive skill player. That doesn't... Which is why it will be. Uh, So I don't (laughs) think... Yeah, I don't think it's an offensive skill player. I think the value for me at 18 is offensive line, defensive line, and defensive back. And so... Now if they take...
1: Bijan John Robinson at 18, I have you to blame.
0: Okay.
2: That's fine. <laughs> all right,
1: great. <laughs> all right. Uh, and with that, we'll close things out. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, with some sort of first bite. Where we'll be talking the draft with a special guest. And then I also want to mention that our final Spotify live episode ever will uh, be live at 9 a.m. Eastern this Saturday. April, what is that? 22nd. Uh, So download the Spotify live app while it still exists. Follow at pride of Detroit and join us for the call-in show. It's like a call-in radio show. Um, For that, we'll go uh, for a couple hours there. Uh, But until then, uh, let's wrap things up here for Eric, for myself. Again, thank you all for listening. One week until the NFL draft. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind.